Hey y'all, welcome to episode 7 of Not Your Average Sunday School Stories and part 2 of the Abraham miniseries. Tonight we're going to be a little off the rails, if you will, uh, talking about Abram. We're going to think about the covenant that is created with him, but really just get into whatever we want. we got a surprise guest with us, Pastor John and also Seth out there on the board here at Trojan City Studios. Yes, Seth is here. Making a surprise appearance. So (laughs) here we go. Hey, y'all. Welcome again to Episode 7, Part 2, the miniseries here with Abraham. And uh, like I mentioned in the intro there, uh, it's going to be a little Abraham uncut tonight, if you will. So we're going to get into the covenant uh, that that God creates with Abraham, mainly in Genesis 15, uh, but a little other few places in Genesis that it pops up there. I have uh, Pastor John with me. Hello. We're going to be uh, talking a little bit. But Are we as, just doing 15? Is that the plan? Well, we're, that's going to be the main focus is 15, so uh, we'll see where it goes, but I think we're going to really hammer down on that. But as I said, again, we got Seth out there on the board. Uh, we're here at Trojan City Studios in the wonderful place that he's provided for us, so can't thank him enough. And now... He has agreed to come on the air with us as well. I, I don't know if it was necessarily agreed, but I... <laughs> so literally, I was running around outside trying to find someone else to sit in here with me to talk about this. And then Seth was like, what are you doing? And I was like, you, you're in. I know you're already doing one job, but now you're doing two. And now I'm here. And now you're here. I thought it sounded better the way I said it, but it's more truthful the way you said it. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so really we're going to go through... Uh, oh, I'd like to send a shout-out to all of our friends who are uh, at concerts or, you know, doing other fun things and, and just aren't here right now. Yeah. You know, Seth mm-hmm. is cooler anyway. Yeah. I'll agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, Genesis 15, the covenant with Abram is what it's titled in my Bible. This is the first time we're breaking the rules all over the place. No, no uh, children's beginner Bible story that goes along with this portion. But uh, I have a special part in my heart for this because, as John knows, probably more than anybody else, I just preached at his church. And you did a great job. Over this. Uh, although it wasn't recorded, so. Well, the best um, things have to be experienced live. That's what I figured. You can't, you can't recreate the magic all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I consider myself a professional at this. Uh, so do we. Except yeah. I talked with John for five minutes out before we started the podcast, and he told me why I was wrong. So, uh, well, you know, that that doesn't mean you're not an expert. It just means you had an, you know, a false uh, impression. Yeah. My professional status has been dropped back down to where it should be. Which <laughs> to Martin. Is, which is good for this podcast. I mean, podcast. your opinion's as valid as mine. I mean, it, <laughs> it's just not as good. <laughs> I had a full cup of coffee at the time and was feeling very confident. Yeah, that's true. I'm mostly gone now. I'm, I'm, I'm down at the dregs. <laughs> we need to get an assistant in here. <laughs> <laughs> Snap my fingers. Yeah. Hey, where's the coffee, coffee guy? Coffee, please. <laughs> Yeah, we, we've definitely had way too much coffee already today. If you can tell, this is going to be a little lighthearted, uh, but a lot of good information still coming from it. So, again, John, Seth, both of you guys can uh, chime in whenever you are, but I have a couple questions that I want to go over about Genesis 15. Sure. Well, why don't you start by telling us what it's about? Because so, usually we do the 
uh, the Beginner's Bible, and I assume people are listening and and haven't memorized like what the stories are. I know I do. Very good. I mean, I've been wrong before. (laughs) Uh, Mark that down. Um, So (laughs) this is kind of the Martin version of Genesis 15, like we talked about earlier. Kind of sounds like something. I would buy the Martin version in a second that people might want to discuss. So uh, overview: Genesis 15. God comes to Abram, says to him again. Uh, that I am your shield and your reward shall be great. This is the Lord talking to Abram. And Abram kind of spouts off at God and says, but Lord God, how is this possible since I continue childless? In other words, God, you don't know what you're talking about anymore, uh, which is kind of not the thing that Abraham maybe should say to the Lord. So the Lord has to prove who he is, so he takes him outside, says, look towards the heaven, number the stars. If you're able to number them, so shall your offspring be. That is enough for Abram to believe God to the part where now it is counted to him as righteousness. Then the Lord says again that he is uh, who brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and give you this land to possess. So not only are you going to have kids, but you're going to have land now to possess. And Abram questions God again, but this time in a little better mindset and says, how do I know that I shall possess it? So God then gives him a command to perform a ritual that I have no idea what's going on uh, in the ritual, but we'll get into that a little oh, okay. later. And, uh, is that in the Martin version? Like the I don't know what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I'm reading it verbatim from That's my awesome. version. That's excellent. Right out of my head. Uh, so then the sun goes down and Abram falls into a deep sleep and a dreadful and great darkness, which is what I want to know about here in a little bit, falls on Abram and God tells him what he wants to know, which is that his people are going to be in this land several hundred years because uh, the Amorites aren't done doing bad things. And then God lays out where the land's going to be. In a list of ten nations. So, uh, that's the Martin version, child version of the story. So, God's giving Abraham what? Kids. Lots of kids. Yeah, lots of kids. And a a covenant, right? I mean, is is this new information to you? No. No? Genesis 12 kind of. Yeah, this is kind of restating. There's, There's some weird echoes here of what's going on. And not that we're doing this out of order, but we're doing this out of order. It would make more sense if you realize, like, Abraham has dropped the ball in a big way. And if anybody deserved to be canceled, Abraham did. And he's he just really had messed up as a dad, as a husband. Not as a dad. He doesn't have any kids. But if he did have kids, they would have been embarrassed. Burn. Yeah. So there's, there's this <laughs> concept of, like, if I was Abraham, I'd be worried – like, is God going to talk to me anymore after abandoning my wife and, and really just messing things up like I did? Because um, remember, Abraham's job is to wander and show the world what it looks like to be in a relationship with God. And he doesn't. Instead, he wanders and is a jerk to his wife, to other people, other nations. And, uh, and there's a little bit of redemption. And to God. And to God. Yeah, there's this... Melchizedek guy who's shown up and Abraham has really kind of turned his life around, but in a very real way, like most people, he has good moments and then bad ones. But I think it's important here that God comes back to Abraham and is still loving Abraham. It's it's not contingent on how good a person he is or how good a job you're doing. The love of God is unconditional. It's it's just given. And I think that's a really beautiful thing to take away from this text. And so that it does kind of lead into what I had the first question uh, on the Trello board 
today was which I almost read. Yeah, I spent minutes upon minutes putting that together. Oh, you're you. welcome. Uh, the first question that I have is: Let's just take a step back and define something. There's a lot of times, and I am just as guilty as this as anybody else, that I'll use a word thinking I know what it means, and may not know what it means to be precise. I think that word means what you think it means. It, that's exactly right. So my question is: What is a covenant? The definition of a covenant? Covenant. What, what do you think, Seth? When you hear like covenant, like what does that stir up in your head? I've I've always kind of just assumed a covenant's kind of like a like a a gang. Um, a gang. Know, they they, they uh, <laughs> you know they we have a certain set of rules and we have this covenant or it's a brotherhood. It's a you know. Oh, yeah. okay. So like a set of rules that binds you guys together. Yes. That's cool. What, what does it mean to you, Martin? Like when you say covenant. So when I thought about it. Before looking it up, I I would have said like a promise. A covenant is like a promise. So I'm I'm promising that I'm going to either do something for you or keep a promise to mm-hmm. you. Um, that would be a, a covenant to me. Right. Well, I think that's right. Like both of you guys are onto something. It does have to do with keeping promises and being united. Uh, to me, the word covenant is a word that you use talking about relationships. To be in a covenant with somebody is to be with somebody. Uh, like I think of marriage covenants, like it's an oath that you swear. And it has to do with honoring each other. And in this instance, God, who can't break his promise, is saying, look, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have children. And Abraham is supposed to be a good guy. Like he can walk away and mess things up. And if he wanted to go serve other gods, I guess he could do that. Uh, but the Lord would draw him back, I think. Like, Abraham has been chosen by God for this purpose. And honestly, even though he does some really stupid things, he's he's also loyal to God through the whole thing. You really don't get episodes where Abraham's, like, thinking about other gods like Solomon does later or uh, a lot of the other uh, characters in the Bible who seem to be wishy-washy as far as which god they serve. And so I think there's there's a loyalty element here. God is saying, I have a plan for you, and it's going to get done. And the covenant is a supernatural connection between God and Abraham. And so you mentioned a word earlier that I wanted to get to, which was unconditional. Uh, the covenant between God and Abraham is unconditional. On God's part, yeah. Which – explain, I guess, a little bit further what you mean by yeah, that. Yeah, so an unconditional election is uh, – an unconditional election, that's Calvinism. Uh, <laughs> an unconditional – that's – never mind. I needed Dwayne here I for say, that. Where's Dwayne? Yeah. Uh, Dwayne that's his word. Yeah, so it, it means like God doesn't say, Abraham, if you give me $5 million, then I will do this. It's not an if-then. God tells Abraham, I'm going to be your shield. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to do these things. So the part, the question that just popped into my mind then is you mentioned that Abraham doesn't really stray from God in the way of searching out other authorities or other powers. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that – why not? We I, – I think in today's world, we do that all the time. In this room in this room, and just people in general, human beings, we're constantly searching out against God. Why, what led Abraham? Abraham to not need to do that or not want to do that. Well, I think it was God. I mean, the the Lord appeared to him, talked to him. Um, according to like uh, a lot of like the the ancient Jewish stories and things, Abraham's family was uh, idol builders. Uh, 
uh, in Ur. And I, maybe true, maybe not true. It's just somebody made up the story a long time ago. But you get with Abraham this idea that he's he knows this God is real. There's no doubt in his mind. Like He's not questioning whether or not this God is able to do things. He's seen this God do things. And I think Ab- that's one of the things that makes Abraham better than me is that he has a faithfulness that I don't always have. I get really off the path sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's just the grace of God that's kept me from all sorts of ridiculous things. If you see the powers firsthand in real life, like Abraham was able to do, is it faithfulness? If you've seen it happen, to me, faith is believing without seeing in a nutshell. But if Abraham has witnessed it firsthand, then does he have a stronger faithfulness than you do? Well, faith and faithfulness are not the same thing. Faithfulness means, like, you're not straying. Like, you can be faithful to your wife, and that doesn't mean, like, you're not aware that there are other women out there. It just means that you have dedicated yourself to this relationship. And so when I see this, that's kind of what I take away from it. God is telling Abraham, look, things aren't getting done in your timetable. I'm not just going to give you what you want right now. You've got to walk with me. You've got to do what I've asked you to do. But I want you to know I'm with you. I'm I'm protecting you, that there is a relationship here. And God goes out of his way to make that clear to Abraham in chapter 15. And so you are hinting already on my first application from this. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be me without going straight to the application. Terrible idea. But my first point in Genesis 15, it starts in verse 2. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Mm -hmm. So my first point is Abraham is trying to call God's bluff. He's heard this before, that he's going to get this big promise, and it hasn't happened yet, like you just said. It doesn't happen on Abram's timetable. Mm-hmm. And I think Abraham is growing tired of this waiting game being promised all this, that, and the other. I was talking to, to Seth earlier. If I kept telling him I was going to give him all this money, I'm going to give him all this money, and weeks or months go by, what do you, what are you going to say to me when I say I'm going to give you a million dollars tomorrow? Martin, you're full of baloney. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so I feel like that's what – Abraham is expressing to God in this situation. Do you think that's wrong? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, I, I think it's – I don't think it's wrong as far as our human nature to be – It almost speaks to, you know, having a relationship open enough to be like, okay, God, here's how I feel. I love it, yeah. And I think that's important. It might be – um, you know, it's not necessarily the most faithful approach, but you know, God, I don't think he wants you to pretend that you're feeling faithful when you're mm. not feeling faithful. Um, so I, I don't necessarily, I don't think it's uh wrong necessarily. Yeah, I think you're onto it there. And I, I wouldn't say faithful, like he's, mm. God knows your emotions. Mm-hmm. Like you can't trick him. Yeah. Like Abraham's asking. Yep. Uh, I know you promised this, and like right now, my heir is not even related to me. He's just some guy that that is in my household. It's Eleazar, his servant, 
and and he's just talking to God, and I think that's that's kind of cool. Like he's able to voice his fears and his doubts and still maintain that relationship level with with God. I think that so many Christians are afraid of doing it wrong that they don't even bother praying or talking to God. There are a lot of psalms in the Bible where the author like cries out to God and is like, "What did I do? Where are you at? Uh, step up here, help me." And I think a big part of praying is kind of what what Seth's talking about there and it's just talking to God. If that's what's on your heart, give it to him because he doesn't say god you have broken your promise he says you haven't given me what i thought we were doing i don't understand and i think that is a beautiful prayer like to be able to say like the centurion you know lord i believe and then like to kind of stop and say lord help my unbelief Mm. i think that has helped me a ton in my spiritual life um to be able to look at something and say i don't really know about this i have an idea about it and you guys tease me about it but I, I i have ideas and preferences and i think i'm right until someone convinces me but if you don't know say you don't know and that's okay and i think abraham's doing that he's looking at god and he's saying i know you keep talking to me about having kids and that does not seem to be at all what we're doing here and i think it goes back to what is abraham's job abraham's job is not to have kids abraham's job is to image god it's to wander the earth and to show the world what it looks like to walk in a relationship with God. And as he does that, God is going to make him a blessing to the nations, and God is going to bless him. And so Abraham needs to to focus this back on God and not on himself. And I think that's maybe one of the flaws of jumping straight to an application, is that you can make the Bible about me instead of focusing this on God. So, so I think you're spot on there. That's that's exactly what I think it's talking about. Great answer. So, again. Thank you. I thought it was excellent. <laughs> Top tier. Yes. <laughs> or completely not. I don't know. <laughs> One of the best two so far <laughs> in the podcast. Um, so, anyway, when we continue on through through 15, and this is the part where it gets interesting to me because if, if it's going your way with him – Abraham basically saying, like, I just don't understand. Explain it to me. Uh, you know, he, he's being vulnerable to God in that situation. Then God proves to him in a way that seems pretty easy to do. Verse 5, he takes him outside and says, Look up and number the stars if you are able to, That so shall your offspring be. And it's just – it's confusing to me. This is where I'm going to go against you here maybe a little bit. All right. It's confusing to me that if we take the same analogy as before, where God says he's going to give him all these kids, mm-hmm. and he says it again, yep. and, and perhaps again, and it still doesn't happen, mm-hmm. I think Abraham is frustrated with that point, to the point where, it, it, to me, it's not a like, you know, hey, God, I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't understand. It's like, a, come on, man. What's it going to take? Well, I think that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also know Abraham is not ready to have kids. Like, he demonstrates that in the next chapter. You get – he – he abuses a woman named Hagar. He and his wife plot this together, and she gets pregnant, and he throws them out. Hmm. He doesn't go looking for her. He doesn't do it. God seeks her out. God protects her because the Lord protects even the people that Abraham doesn't care about. Hmm. And so Abraham may be like shooting his mouth off here a little bit, hmm. 
but God knows his heart. And he's like, look, I'm going to give you your child. I am. I'm going to keep my word. But you're not the focus of this. The whole premise of Abraham's existence, his job, is not just to get, but to be a source of giving. The Lord blesses so that he can be a blessing. And I think the same thing is true of us. If we look at our lives and we're just like saying, God, this is a great time for you to give me something, then, you know, that's that's true. But what are you going to do with it once you've got it? Hmm. Is it a sense of, you know, I, I just want more and are and you more? ready to receive that? Yeah, to and it, it's give. to acknowledge that God knows what he's doing. And that's where Abraham's not at yet. So, but it happens pretty quickly here on that because if you look at verse five, he goes out and tells him to look at the stars. And in the very next verse six, he says, "And he, Abram, believed the Lord, and he counted it was counted to him as righteousness." Mm. So, how does Abraham go from being vulnerable and not understanding to believing to the point where it being counted as righteousness with one verse? Yeah, which is God saying, "Go out and look towards," and this is where I think it is: is go look towards heaven. And number the stars if you're able to number them. Yeah. That'll be your offspring. I was talking to Seth earlier. I said, I'll give you a million dollars. And then if I went and said, Seth, look at all the stars in the sky. I'll give you a million per star. Seth believes me even less now. (laughs) Right? Like, where are you coming up with a million, let alone billions of millions? So, to me, it, it seems weird that God is now saying it even bigger. God is doubling down. Mm-hmm. with it, saying, I haven't given you anything yet, but it's going to be even bigger than you can imagine. Mm. It's very used car salesman-y. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you here, think so? Here, here it is. Well, it, from where I'm taking it is, is if I pro- if and this is where it comes in, if I promise you something and don't come through with it, mm. and I promise it to you again, and I promise it to you again, and don't come through with it, and then I say, you know what, I'm going to do it a billion times more than I've said I'm ever going to do it in the past. Right. You believe me even less. So, Maybe. So what is it in the part? Lay it out for us. In Seth. verse 5. How does this strike you? Maybe, um, you know, if we take a look at, you know, if a, if a human being promises us something huge, all right, no way this guy's for real. Sure. Maybe that speaks to how we need to view God like he's able to do this. Mm-hmm and do it on a grander scale than we could imagine. I think that's really what it comes down to is I may not trust you to fulfill a covenant or a promise, Mm. but he looks to God and he says, Lord, I trust you. There's an act of faith here. That's what's counted for righteousness. It isn't that Abraham understands or that he's even okay with it, but that his his acknowledgement of the lordship of God. He says, if you've said it, then you've said it. I'll rest there. But I want you to know where my heart is. I'm eager for this to happen. And I'm eager to be with you and for you to, uh, to, to help me do this job that you've given to me. But the whole point of this is not just the birthing of a child. Loads of men and women have had children. God is working something spectacular in Abraham's life. And he knows that at this point. Like, he's not a normal guy. And so what I have on my Trello board and what I would say in the sermon To make you feel kind of sad to have written a Trello board that nobody read. Yeah, I'm reading it. I'm using it. You're using it right now? it's really helping me. I I mean, I'm just telling you. I'm not sure there is a Trello board. (laughs) 
In in verse five, it says, <laughs> "I have that God plays the trump card." So God proves. No, God does not play cards, Martin. That is. <laughs> is that? Are you sure about that? It, well, it goes with my theme. If Abram's calling his bluff, Call, there's, now there's a lot of poker playing, terminology. I know. Like, I know. God's got like the sunglasses on and yeah. the backwards hat. Is that what you're telling not me? Not reflective. Not so reflective. Yeah. yeah. But you can't see the front of him. This yeah. is sarcasm, yeah. by the way. I, you guys are like out there, like that guy doesn't like cards. Yeah. This is this is very loose tonight. It's Abraham uncut. Um, but he plays the trump card, proving again that he is not a human being. He he's not a used car salesman. Yeah. He says, "Go and look towards the heaven and, and number the stars if you're able to." In other words, for every one of those flaming balls out there, I know how many they are because I'm the one that put them up there. I am the Lord God Almighty. Yeah, and I think there's also an element of uh, and and earlier in the promise, not so much in this one, but God says, "You know, your descendants are going to be like the stars." And that element is, you know, it, there's there's a glory about them this Mm. this isn't just going to be some guy having kids but i'm going to do something amazing and and i'm not just going to leave your children to wander the earth and hope for the best but that god is going to be faithful to the children of abraham all the way into heaven into glory that we're not left here even after my life ends the lord isn't done with me he's he's going to draw me to himself and i have a place in eternity. And I, I think that's really what I want to pull away from this story of Abraham is not just that uh, Abraham is questioning God, although that's there, but this sense of trusting God and his timing. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. It is okay to have questions, it is not okay to give up. And I think that is something that I struggle with a lot because when I don't understand something or I get frustrated, I need to have that commitment to God and to what he's doing to say, you know, even though I don't get it, I'm going to follow you. And you see that with Job in particular, you get this, uh, his wife says, you know, curse God and die. And Job more or less says, you know, though he slay me, well, I serve him. Even though I don't get it at all, I know what I should do. And that, I think, is faithful. That's honorable. That's loyalness. And those are things I hope are true of God's people. And some days they are, and some days they're not. But we should be pushing for these Mm -hmm. things. So we just talked a few moments ago about what a covenant is. And we came to the idea that a covenant is a relationship. It's a relationship, yeah. A relationship which, uh, if you have a strong relationship with anybody, a friend, a a spouse, uh, your dog— all of those have to have communication that are involved with it and the ability to have the vulnerability to ask questions when you don't understand uh, just for clarification or whatever it is. And I think that's what is portrayed here in the first several verses. If you look through six, we're talking about the child. They're going to have offspring. Yeah, it's very clear. God says, you're going to have children. Abraham doesn't understand it or doesn't, you know, understand the timeline so he asks mm. questions and god responds with an answer that makes him believe the very next yeah. portion is we're talking about the land uh-huh. god, god mentions what your land is going to be and how does abraham respond in verse eight but he says oh lord god how am i to know that i am possessed this it's repetitive the same idea they're having a conversation is yeah. what it is mm-hmm. it, it's it's not questioning as far as like oh, i don't believe or i don't Whatever I said earlier, 
Abraham is not questioning God. He has questions for God. And I think that's okay. I, so my parents encouraged me to ask questions. The, the college I went to, though, was pretty strict about lots and lots of things. And sometimes it felt like if you weren't just accepting what you were told, you weren't really loving God like you should and that you shouldn't have questions. And, and I thought that for a long time, but I, I still had them. What really changed my life in that era was reading C.S. Lewis. And here I found a man who definitely loved God and definitely had questions, and those questions made him a blessing to me. Mm-hmm. And his thinking about them didn't threaten his faith, but deepened it and has influenced loads of others. And so I thought, you know, hey, that that is – I want that because mm-hmm. I got loads of questions and I'm afraid to say out loud – because I'm afraid people won't think I love God anymore mm. um, or that I'm questioning you know, vital things when in reality, I want to know God better. I want to understand, and there are things in the Bible that are mysteries, and they don't repel me, they attract me. Mm-hmm. When I hit stuff that I don't understand, I don't push past it onto something else. Like I'm more tempted to go like, Google search this or mm-hmm. dig in my books and be like, what is ta- what's being talked about here? And still, I don't understand loads of things. But to me, that's supposed to uh, pull me deeper into the story and, and into my own life. There are things I don't get. And it is a relationship. And, and you have to talk to God as he speaks to you and you speak back. Uh, but it's silly not to talk to him about what you're feeling, what you're thinking. And it's okay. God already knows that. He died on the cross for all of my sins, and so he knows exactly what I am and what I'm going to be, and he still loves me. Like, that's unbelievable to me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not hiding from God and saying, well, I'm going to pretend to be a more righteous person, and then God will give me stuff. Uh, and that's just not what Abraham is doing. He doesn't do anything that impresses God. God doesn't say, well, you have now achieved a level of awesomeness in which I will now give you children. Uh, but I feel like we kind of think Mission that sometimes. Yeah, I am now awesome enough to get this. I've earned my blessing. And I know I, I've never earned my blessings. So what deters people from asking God those types of questions? Well, I think a misunderstanding of their relationship with God. And a lot of times it's fear uh, of God or of other people. Um, sometimes we don't want to admit it out loud. Um, it's we We make it a much bigger deal than it should be. I, I think it should be normal part of your life. Is it perhaps the same mentality that we were referring to earlier when you're concerned about how the other person is going to respond? The, the same way mm-hmm. when I said, you know, Seth, I'm going to give you a million dollars. You don't believe me because of who I am. Yeah, I have no problem believing that God loves you. I have a hard time believing that God loves me. Personally, like I've struggled with depression and self-worth uh, a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I do have this. And I, I have to go to God and, and confess that and just tell him, like, Lord, I love you. Mm-hmm. And I know that I don't deserve to be in a relationship with you. And, and God has time and time again come to my rescue and, and shown me this. Not always right away, mm-hmm. but he's never left me to the point where there was there was no help mm. and uh, sometimes I just I just sit down and pr- there was a prayer I learned when I was a kid and it was you know Jesus Savior friend of sinners have mercy on me and at times like that's all of God 
I don't have much else than that, just to say, Jesus, I don't know what you're doing with me or what I can bring to the table at all, but whatever I've got, I want to, I want to try. And I think that is when it isn't about, well, I'm so awesome that I'm going to get rewarded for my actions. And instead, you just love on God, and he loves you. And that relationship of love and respect, and if you have questions, ask them, and to know that God loves you and your questions, and that's okay. That sounds like a covenant to me. Well, Seth's looking at me judgmentally. Out that there. sounds like a relationship. Yeah. That's just my normal face. <laughs> You're talking about a guy that I've never seen at a loss for words. That's John, <laughs> being at times admitting that that's all you can say, hmm. and that's well. And there's a difference too between what you present to people and your actual state of mind. I mean, how many times have people asked you like, "How are you doing?" I'm fine. Yeah, and if you actually told somebody, it would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm glad you asked. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd be, like, backpedaling. Yeah. Like, I don't really want to know. Uh, That's just a pleasantry, yeah, we say. Yeah. And but, I think that leads into what I was mentioning earlier about mm-hmm. that. It, do, do people – do you don't have the same relationship with people – that you do with God. And that's why we yeah. struggle because in our day to day, we talk with people and just like that, how are you doing today? Well, I really have something on my mind. But I would not mm. do that with a regular people. Right. Like the list of people I'll really be open to is small. Mm. Um, God has over and over again opened his ears to, to my whining and to my questions and has answered them. Um, and I think that's that's got to be normalized for the church because so much of it that I, in my experience was, you know, if you really love God, you won't have questions, you won't have problems, you'll just accept it and God will just move you through it. And you listen to like Christian radio and it's all happy bubblegum puppy dogs and there's no problems and you're always filled with joy. And, and I didn't I didn't feel like I fit into that. I didn't always feel that tremendous experience of happiness and joy and and people will tell you you know well just stop it you know just stop being depressed yeah. as though like why didn't i think of that i was yeah. like you know what i'm gonna do <laughs> <Shoot>. that um <laughs> uh, but I, i've always thought of it like like bleeding you, know, you got to stop the bleeding like it takes time mm-hmm. and at times people have allowed me to be myself but most of the time you have to hide your real emotions from people Mm -hmm. because people are dangerous, Mm -hmm. but the church should be something that is beyond that. There should be a brotherly love that embraces not just the people's accomplishments, but also their sorrows. Uh, The scripture tells us to rejoice with those that rejoice Mm -hmm. and to weep with those that weep. And so I, I try to, in my preaching and in my life, talk about my depression because I grew up, you know, real godly people didn't have that. God just like waved his magic wand and it went away. And I thought there was something really wrong with me. And there's a thousand things wrong with me, but God's <laughs> faithfulness isn't one of them. He has been so faithful to me. And I think when you allow yourself to experience that honesty with God, your relationship stops being one of, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do to one of a loved one that I'm communicating with. Yeah. 
Well, we're way off the Trello board, if that makes you feel any better. Well, as far uh, as I know, we're right on the Trello board. I are, have no yeah. idea what's on it. But we, we are right on track. Trello board. Yeah. <laughs> we are right on track with where we should be because, uh, again, from what I was trying to get to a couple of weeks ago at your church was how do you create your own covenant with God? And that's exactly what we're talking about tonight. How do we open the relationship with God to be able to dig deeper, asking those questions, yeah. getting the answers that we want. It's the same thing Abram did. So I would encourage someone asking a question like that to think about communion, what it means that this is a new covenant in my blood. And when you take communion, uh, one of the things that, that I do is I reflect and I confess. And I love taking communion. It's one of my favorite things. But it, it is that moment of unity of the whole church where we all come to one table and we take the same bread and the same juice and we all equal before God but all struggling in different ways are together in that moment. And not just us but every church that's ever taken communion or small group that's ever taken communion. And, and going back in time with my, people who I, I remember standing with my grandpa taking communion. And we were doing the same thing. Hmm. I was watching him as a kid and learning about this. But at that moment, we're united in something. And so this is just Abraham. But all of his children get swept up in this covenant. And the new covenant really should just be Jesus. But it sweeps up all those who call on him as Savior and Lord. And suddenly, even though I don't deserve to be with Jesus, Jesus comes searching for me. And that also is here in the Abraham story, where God comes to Abraham. You mean we can find Jesus in the Old Testament? Well, God, oh yeah, Jesus is in the Old Testament. What? He is the word of the Lord. That is the whole idea behind the podcast. Yeah, Jesus yeah. is there, man. He is all the time. This is his story. Mission accomplished mm-hmm. tonight, guys. Uh, so again, just that covenant, it it's hard to understand it's hard to get through this text. You alluded to it earlier. When you get to a text, it's hard to get through. You just keep reading until you understand something else. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie, when I first read this and we were talking about the heifer and the ram and the turtle dove and the young pigeon and how you had to cut them in half but didn't cut the birds in half. That's too small. It, 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 <laughs> I just kept reading. <laughs> I just kept reading Well, that. I think that's most people's natural reaction to this. I mean, when you hit weird stuff in the Bible, Seth, what do you typically do? Oh, oh man. I, I mean, it, it, <laughs> makes me, it makes me question. It makes me want to dig deeper, but I just don't have the tools to do it. So then I'm like, well, I'm just going to trust that, you know, all right, that's cool. <laughs> and then yeah. and then later I'm like, what? <laughs> so I, I, I don't have a good answer for that. No, I think that is a good answer. <laughs> That's exactly what we were just talking about. Yeah, I th- most people will push past it mm. if it's really important to them. Like, you should ask Nick. Mm. Like, call your preacher. Like, that's what you pay the boy for, right? Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to be on call to answer all your questions. Yeah. Uh, pastors very rarely get that call, by the way. Mm. We don't get emails filled with Bible questions. We get emails filled with helpful suggestions yeah yeah uh, which, which leads on again to the same thing we we're talking about with prayer god doesn't get that call near as much as he should no but he should and so i think when i hit something i don't understand it's okay to just geek out for a minute and go find out what it is sometimes if it's weird it's really important that's what mike heiser uh taught me uh in his podcast and says if it's weird it's important and, and i really love that mm. 
because there's so much about this chapter that sounds supernatural and kind of creepy to me that I don't understand all the way. And I think if you asked Abraham, he wouldn't have understood it all either. But he knew that whatever was happening was real and that he was having an experience that was unlike anything he'd really experienced before. So he has these animals. Do you want to talk about the animals? you want to skip the animals? What are we doing with this? I'm going to keep reading until I get to the Demogorgons. The Demogorgons? Uh, we were really into Stranger Things before uh, you guys tuned in here. <laughs> Seth was preaching the gospel of Stranger Things yes. out there. So, <laughs> yes. Oh, hold on. Do it off key, please. Yeah, no, that's okay. We'll, we'll change the pitch. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, so again, just I, I think uh, – like I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, too. Sorry, I keep referencing that, but I'm just very proud of it. So I'm going to say you did a great job. I, I heard a ton of people who were like, you know what? You're fired. Martin is hired. Hey. And and my, my ego collapsed. Call on and me. That's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, but again, it, to me, I didn't understand it. I, I didn't want to just breeze past it because of like what we've mentioned. And we've talked about that before. And if it's if it's weird, it's important. But I think it's just the idea of. Not knowing it all kind of is what I ran with because I was, again, told that I was wrong today about this. But I figured Seth, that that Abraham I had to let him know. didn't really understand what was going on either, but he obeyed what he was told to do. Right. And so I don't know. It seems like it was pretty commonplace to do this kind of stuff back in the day. Yeah, but. so in the ancient world, it wasn't uncommon what what's happening here this style of sacrifice is something that that isn't unheard of the idea of shedding blood to come into the presence of a god um, sacrifices were made all over the world if you were going to walk into the presence of a deity and what kind of happens here is abraham creates a pathway of of blood he he offers up a, a heifer and a ram, and then two birds. And he cuts them in half, and he sets one on one side and one on the other, and there's now like a road in between them. And Abraham runs around, then he keeps the birds of prey away. And the idea was Abraham was, was making a sacrifice, and he was creating holy space. Now, God doesn't need that, I mean, because he's already shown up anyway. God can do anything that he likes, but it's nice when he gives us something that we actually can do. Like I like when God is like, if she shows up and I know exactly what I'm supposed to do, that's a really good feeling. And so Abraham goes through this ritual of the cow and the, the goat, or not the goat, but the ram and then the two birds. And you have your animals of the heavens and of the earth. And he's going through the motions of this. And then God comes to him in a strange and wonderful way that isn't at all related to the pathway that he just made. It says God comes to him in a vision. Uh, a deep sleep falls on him. And so what Abraham is doing here is something that the ancient world would have recognized. He's trying to commune with the spiritual world. He's trying to connect with a deity that's not physical or not just physical, but it's the creator of all things. And he's made here a, a little path of blood between God and himself. And it, it's just interesting to me because you mentioned uh, with the Job earlier, mm -hmm. although I, I don't understand why I'm doing this, it's the right thing to do. Right. 
you're and in the you're in the about, temples and things they did this they would offer a sacrifice and there were lots of rules about this and ultimately it was all a picture that one day Jesus would come and his sacrifice would be made for us and that that sacrifice would really do something but Abraham is laying out the welcome mat and God is in his house that's right He's already here, but it's a it's a. And it's now an, he's laying down the carpet, the red well, carpet. Well, it's not just afterwards. that he's that he's here. This is Abraham showing his faith. Hmm. It's it, you, James says, "You have faith without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead." <laughs> that it, if you really are believing, then you'll act it out. And so when God tells Abraham to do something, or Abram, Abraham says. You got it. That's exactly what I'll do. But he's almost just going through the motions. Right? Well, I don't know that he understood because I've never met him. <laughs> but I do know that this concept wouldn't have been foreign to him. He would have seen this in other places. Pagans mm-hmm. reading this would have understood, oh, you're trying to bridge the gap between the physical world and the spiritual world. So is this like a is this direction from God or is this something that he feels that, okay, this is how I think I should go about this if I want to connect here? Or, you know, is it is it something that God is like, here's how I would like you to do this? Yeah, so Abraham is asking God, he says, how do I know that I'm going to possess the land? And God says, I'll tell you how. Go get a cow and go do this and go do that. And you're going to experience this. And so the Lord is giving him a task that he can do. Mm-hmm. Does God have to do that? No, God can do anything that he likes. He's not limited in this way. But this would have been something that has meaning to Abram. It's not something that he would tell me to do. I would be totally confused. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. my culture. Yeah. Uh, but the Bible was written for me, but not to me. This is an ancient worldview and culture. Mm. Ancient people's reading this would have understood a lot easier than we do. Yeah. And so God doesn't need it. But it makes it clear what's happening, mm-hmm. that Abraham is reaching out to God. Excuse me while I jump to application really quick. Of course. <clears throat> Dan, Here he goes again. Dan Listener has a son who is just like his daddy. <laughs> so what I take from that portion is when when we are – able to ask God the questions, commune mm-hmm. with God like we've talked about to build Which this covenant. Mm-hmm. And when we get to that point, we need not be frustrated when God doesn't tell us the answer. Right. Because Abraham says a pretty easy question. How do I know I'm going to possess this? God knows the answer, is Mm -hmm. going to give him the answer, but God makes Abraham do something. The answer is because I'm with you. That's the answer. How do I know this, God? Because God says, I'm here. How do you how do you know that I'm with you? Well, go ahead and lay out the steps. Go ahead and make make this true. But I want the only reason that this is going to happen, Abraham, is because of me. It's not because of you. But God doesn't come out and say that to him. But he does. He he tells him to do something first. He's showing. Right. And so that's that's where I think we get frustrated when we don't get the answer as far as here it is on a billboard that just says this is your answer. Yeah, well, I think that's a very American concept. We get it through the works. This is Jewish meditation literature. Uh, Tim Mackey in the Bible Project has a ton about this. And the idea is, and if you read Jesus in the Gospels, he asks questions. Very rarely does he just come out and tell you something. Mm -hmm. It's about seeking God and, and and, and pressing towards him. 
And I think when you read this, you're supposed to come to the conclusion that the only reason that any of this happens is because of God. It's not because Abraham was a magician and he knew the secrets to the supernatural world and could summon God. Mm-hmm. Uh, ancient pagans believed they could do that. But Abraham, is, is he's done all this, right? And then what happens to him? He's chasing off the birds, and then it says God put him to sleep. God didn't even bother to come walking down the trail, right? So suddenly he goes to sleep, and it, and it sounds a lot like Adam when Adam falls asleep and God takes his rib and provides for him a help, a helper, someone to stand with him, uh, and that's Eve. Suddenly, Abraham is put to sleep. This great darkness falls over him. He falls asleep, and he sees a physical manifestation of the glory of God. He sees fire and smoke. And the idea is you're supposed to think to yourself, wow, God is there. It's a really weird story with a cooking pot and fire and stuff, but the concept or the content is God isn't manipulated by you, but God is where he wants to be. He is following you. He is with you. And you see this with other uh, moments, like when Jacob falls asleep and he sees this ladder going up to heaven, which is really a stairway. Like Jacob was a real jerk. Like he was... I am now so holy that the spiritual world just appears to me. Mm. Like Jacob was the last guy in the world that should have happened to. If this is connected to your works, it's not. It's connected to God's faithfulness. And so what you're seeing here in a very ancient way and in a way which made sense a lot more to ancient readers than to us is God showing Abraham that the only way that you know these promises will be fulfilled is because I am that I am. Seth, you got anything else? Because I can't top that. Uh, no, nope. So for Abraham Uncut, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>